Hi, I'm Betty Collins with Inspiring Women, and we have just a wonderful, wonderful event that I would love for you to be part of. Coming up July 30th, 2021, it is the seventh annual Brady Wears Women's Leaders Conference. And each year, 100% of our gross proceeds go to support women initiatives, like through nonprofits within Ohio. And this year, is supporting the Better Bureau and the Women's Small Business Accelerator, two amazing organizations. Unfortunately, in 2020, we did cancel because of the pandemic. We didn't feel that it was the time. Many months ago, you know, we began planning for the conference and we felt it was best to err on the side of safety. And so we didn't want to cancel this year, but we wanted to be safe. So this year's conference will be virtual. And why this is not the most ideal, especially for Betty Collins, who likes to be out with people. It does allow us, though, to offer participant speakers that are nationally recognized, as well as local uh, women leaders. So regardless, we have an amazing lineup of speakers and a fun day on July 30th. We're going to have Peggy Kloss. She's our keynote at the noon hour, and she is the author of Brag, How to Toot Your Own Horn Without Blowing It. And then we're going to have a speaker, Michelle Letterman, the author of The Connector's Advantage. It's an amazing book. And if you want to hear Michelle, she is on one of my past uh, podcasts. You'll love her. We'll start the morning with a lot of lively discussions, panel of business owners and leaders within our uh, Columbus, Ohio area. And then to add to the excitement of all the day, you'll be able to network, visit, exhibit tables. Uh, You'll get to win wonderful prizes. We have some gamification going on, so it's going to be a lot of fun. But I would like to personally invite you to be there at the Brady Wears Women's Leadership Conference. I'm passionate about this conference. I started it. I was the founder. It was an idea that I kind of shoot from the hip from, and it's just turned into something awesome. Again, it's on July 30th, and it's our seventh year. So I want to encourage you to sign up now. It's very simple to do. You just go to columbuswomensleadership.com and complete a single form, and we'll do the rest for you. So don't miss this opportunity to expand your knowledge. Register now at columbuswomensleadership.com. Hope to see you there. I am Betty Collins. And this is Inspiring Women, a podcast presented by my company, Bradyware. This is the podcast that advances women toward economic, social, and political achievement. And I, Betty Collins, am here to inspire you today on your journey in life, which includes so many things. This is all about you. I am thankful that you're listening, but more importantly, that you're investing time in yourself. You can find more about inspiring women in this episode on the resources tab at bradyware.com. So today we're going to talk about developing resilience and developing resilience. You know, how do you back bounce back from challenges and change? And my guest today is very familiar with this topic. She had to live it to have the success that she has. So developing resilience is, is key to having success in your life at all levels and circumstances. 
For me personally, resilience is the ability to recover from those difficulties and those everyday life challenges. Certainly 2020 was that and 2021 is going to be probably that. But you know, prior to 2020 and after, it will still be needed because life isn't a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So resilience to me, when I try to define it, is looking at challenges in the eye and not blinking. But some days it takes everything you have to not blink. It depends on how bad you want to overcome the challenge. And are you willing to look that challenge in the eye and not blink? It's very hard to do, right? But this is my life every day as a leader, whether I'm doing accounting or podcasting or whatever it is. But what makes you a leader is that people will follow, right? So they need leaders and people in business. You need to be resilient and completely confident in it. And by the way, when you can blink with a smile on your face, it's even better. So let me encourage you to be resilient for something that's worth it, that's impactful and and makes a difference. Too many times we're resilient, giving it all for kind of nothing. Instead, be resilient for a world who needs you, like your family, your business, partners, your employees or causes. So today, this is kind of a first. Um, The podcast is going to be sponsored by ICS Tax, and I'm honored I'm in, I'll start that over. And I'm very honored to introduce to you Michelle Macardrician of ICS Tax. We partner together on all kinds of issues. There's a lot of a lot of aspects to tax and so uh, they do some things that are very unique and very good and they do a fantastic job and it's been great to work with the firm especially her from the beginning of knowing her. Um, it was really more, you know, than business. We just have similar personalities and we're in, interested, just kind of connected in the same things. And, and it was not long after knowing Michelle that she talked about our guests with such awe. So, Michelle, tell us a little bit about ICS Tax and then introduce our special guest who will tell her story. Thank you so much, Betty, for the beautiful introduction. You are an inspiration for all women. And it has been an absolute pleasure working with you and your team at Bradyware. ICS Tax is a specialty tax consulting firm that provides innovative tax planning strategies. We collaborate with taxpayers and their tax professionals to identify credits and incentives that reduce tax liabilities and increase profitability. Our services include cost segregation studies, fixed asset reviews, R&D tax credits, and green building tax incentives. We serve business owners in numerous industries, including construction and real estate, manufacturing, hotels and lodging, retail, and numerous others. Our team brings decades of combined industry experience, assuring great depth of knowledge and expertise. We have offices across the nation with two in Ohio. I work in our Columbus office and our president, Alex Bagney, offices in Cleveland. Today, Betty Collins will be interviewing our president's mother. Dr. Bagney, who is someone all of us here at ICS have the greatest admiration and respect for. Dr. Faraday R. Bagney is one of the most brilliant, successful, and hardworking people I know. She founded and operated the largest privately owned conglomerate of cancer centers in the United States, which included seven radiation oncology centers in Oakland, Macomb, and Monroe counties in Michigan. In addition to radiation oncology, Dr. Bagley also owned and operated gynecological oncology, surgery, internal medicine, and medical oncology clinics. 
She is indeed a true visionary. After selling all the medical centers to Century 21st Oncology, a publicly traded company, Dr. Bagley created a unique concept in senior living, a winter-lit senior resort complex for states with harsh winter. Dr. Bagney's background is just as impressive. She received her bachelor's degree with high honors in physics and mathematics from Michigan State University and her master and doctorate degrees in nuclear physics from the University of Pennsylvania. Dr. Bagney was the first and only female recipient of the National Institute of Health Scholarship in Radiological University. She also has a law degree with magna cum laude from Wayne State University is a licensed attorney in the state of Michigan. She has been a professor at Duke Medical Center, Dartmouth Medical School, Medical College of Ohio, and Wayne State Medical School. Not only is Dr. Bagney highly accomplished and successful, she has a wonderful and close-knit family, two sons, two daughters-in-law, and seven grandchildren, whom she is extremely proud of. Thank you, Michelle, and most certainly thank you and welcome, um, Dr. Badney. It, it's such a pleasure to have you in here, going to hear your story, get some perspective, and certainly tie developing resilience. How does it fit into all this? Um, I'm pretty sure that resilience is in your DNA, so let's get started. Um, so first again, welcome. Can you tell our audience a little background about you and your education, you know, your degrees, family, kind of a simple overview of your career? Uh, first of all, Eddie and Michelle, thank you for inviting me to participate in your wonderful podcast. And I'm truly honored to be on this program. I will be happy to respond to any questions you have and also go over my uh, past career, present career, as well as my educational background. I uh, received in my bachelor degree in two years from Michigan State University and followed that by a master's degree and PhD through a uh, scholarship. Uh, and after that, it is rather a funny story. I was at the University of Pennsylvania physics department. It's a very large physics department, and I was the only female. And my first name is not really masculine or feminine. Faraday could be either one because it's sort of unfamiliar not name. And when I applied to NIH, Actually, the chairman of the department applied for me. They didn't know I was a female, so they accepted me oh, <laughs> as wow. the first recipient. And they were very surprised when they found out that I was a female. And um, so I got my PhD, and I received my uh, scholarship and did my residency at Thomas Jefferson University. And then I uh, started my career at Dartmouth Medical School, and um, I became the director there. And after that, I went to Duke University and did the same. Um, now you may wonder why I received also a law degree and why I'm a licensed attorney. Well, what happened was that after I was about 32, 33 years old, and I was a full professor at uh, the Medical College of Ohio, and I felt 
I couldn't go any far farther. So what should I be doing? And at that time, we, I was the acting director of the therapeutic radiology department at the medical college. And a priest came uh, whom we had treated for cancer. And uh, he asked to meet with me. And I met with him. And he said, I'm a poor priest. I don't have that much money. You have done an excellent job. Uh, because of my birthday, my family and my uh, parishioners have given me $300. And I would like to give this to you, to the department, to medical college uh, and the hospital. And uh, I would like to have for you to buy a large crystal bowl and then... Um, routinely fill it up with candies. Now, <laughs> at the time, in the hospital, there would not be any coffee, any candy, cookies, anything for cancer patients or for their loved ones that would bring them. And so he thought that that would be a good idea. So I took his check, went to meet with the president of the hospital and explained to him, and he looked at me and said, what? We're not going to spend money on candies and cookies for people. Uh, and okay, but he did take the check. So at that time, I decided that really working in the academics is not what I want to do. And at that point, I decided to go to law school. And so during daytime, I worked in, uh, at my routine job, and at night, I would go to law school at Wayne State University, and that's how I got my law degree, and also then I passed the bar exam, and uh, I have been a licensed attorney ever since. Wow. What a background. My goodness. And I'm glad that you could have some insight to say... I'm not going to do this because you can't even buy candy and cookies for people. Someone asking and sacrificing, giving us money for that. That I mean, I'm glad you glad you saw bigger than that. But you know, what an impressive background in education. Very, I, I'm I'm a little overwhelmed. But in reading about you, you've been a, a business owner and built a very successful businesses. In fact, more than one. But you also have a wonderful family, as I've met your son. How did you manage family and careers, you know, without sacrificing either? Well, this is rather interesting because when I started going to law school, both my sons were teenagers. And I, uh, first of all, I asked their permission to go to law school, and they both said that's okay. And... Every time I went to law school and learned something, obviously being in physics and mathematics and sciences, I, I had no idea about the law. And so everything I learned was interesting to me. So when I would come home, I would sit down and tell them about what I had learned and discuss it with my sons. And the interesting part is that both of them have gone and have gotten their uh, 
law degrees, and they both are licensed attorneys. But it is not so much the time you spend with your children, it is the quality that you spend with them and the quality of time you give them and the respect that they give to your kids. And whatever I always did, I asked permission from my kids to make sure that it was okay with them. And that respect and that feeling of importance made them part of the whole success of me. And just as much as I am proud of their success, they are proud of my success. And that is what I would like to instill in the young mothers and young fathers, for that matter, that respect your kids and don't treat them as, as uh, little pets. Treat them as a little adults and always get permission with them, discuss what you're doing, and listen to what they have to say. That is phenomenal advice, um, and that's a great way, I guess, of how you did balance all of that going on. And the fact that they both became attorneys, that's pretty That's pretty cool, showed that you had a lot of influence and a great relationship over the years as, they, as you guys shared in all of that. Um, so that's, that's phenomenal. You know, you started cancer centers. You know, what motivated you to do that, and how did resilience play a role in that? Well, the resilience is very important in this case because I lived in, and I still do, in Michigan, and I was uh, the director at Medical College of Ohio, which is in Toledo, Ohio. So every day I had to travel back and forth, and then at night I would be going to law school and the resilience was that every time I would become tired or discouraged or felt like there was too much pressure on me, I always looked forward. In other words, I always look at any obstacle in life as a temporary obstacle that you jump over it, you go through it, and you don't let it block your progress towards the future. And I had a lot of those. First of all, uh, having two teenagers at home, and we always had uh, homemade food, so I had to cook during the weekend and make sure that we always had fresh fruit and fresh food. and. Um, never buy frozen dinners, at the same time making sure that um, I am there at 7.30 in the morning uh, at my work because the president of the hospital uh, had a rule that you had to live in Ohio in order to practice and to actually uh, work at the medical college, and I didn't want to move to Toledo, so I explained to him what I was doing, and he said, if you're late one time, then you have to move to, to Toledo. So that was our bet. And 
regardless of how bad the weather was or what was going on, I was the first person that would be in the conference room. We had a, every morning we had a, a patient review conference and I was there before anybody else just to make sure that I could live in Michigan and I could have my sons go to school, to the schools they had been going all along. Well, that takes a lot of resilience for certain, as, as I'm just hearing you, you, you played a role in these cancer centers, you, you played a role in uh, building businesses, raising kids, and on your terms of, I'm going to live in Michigan. <laughs> but you were there and on time, so they never had a reason to, to, to back you in a corner, I guess. That, that's awesome. So, you know, you, you had your cancer centers and you sold them, and then what, but then you started a very unique senior community. Um, after you sold your practices, I mean, how, again, how did resilience play a role in your starting something all over again, when really you probably could be spending a lot of time on a beach, you know? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, what happened was that when I sold my cancer centers and all my practice in 2007, it was end of 2007, um, they had a non-compete agreement with me that I could not practice, I could not own, I could not operate, I could not be on the board. I had, I could not have anything to do with any field of medicine. The only thing I could do was to be a consultant for them. And here I was trying to figure out what am I going to do with the rest of my life. Yes, I had plenty of money. But what am I going to be doing? And um, at the time, my sons were gone. They had their own lives. And um, I just, all my life, I had worked. I had gone to school. I had um, 12 to 16 hours a day doing something else. What was I going to do? So I decided, well, during the time that I had my cancer centers, I came to respect and uh, love seniors a great deal, particularly for their patience, for their experience, and for somewhat their innocence compared to the younger people that look at others with a lot of suspicion, and it's a different world. And so I thought, well, if I can't do anything in medicine, nobody prohibits me from having a senior facility. And that's when, uh, this was again in 2007, I started looking around and um, at first I started in Michigan. And the standard I had set for myself was I would want to create a place that I myself would go. Just the same way that when I started the cancer centers, at the time, there were only two types of cancer centers. One were the hospitals that had their um, radiation therapy in the basement of the hospital next to the morgue, next to the kitchen or these little cobalt machines in a tiny little clinics. And at the time, 
I decided that I don't want to have either one of these. I want to create something new to bring in the medical school experience, quality assurance, and knowledge of the staff and combine it with the ease of having a clinic which has windows and doors and you can park right in front. And that's how I started building freestanding clinics. And now if you go anywhere, you will see that hospitals all have freestanding cancer centers. They no longer have them in the basement. They no longer have these little um, cobalt machines. They all have very sophisticated linear accelerators, and they all are in freestanding, beautiful clinics. And so I thought the same thing about the senior centers, that I wanted to have somewhere that if I had to go, I would feel good about it. So I started in Michigan, and I didn't like anything that I saw here. And also, at the time, I was, as I mentioned, a consultant for 21st Century Oncology, and their headquarters is in Fort Myers, um, Florida, and so I bought a condo in Naples, Florida. It was a beautiful condo on the Gulf of Mexico, and I get to know a lot of these residents that were there, the majority of them were seniors, and when I would talk with them, why did you leave Michigan, New York, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania to come here, every one of them would say, look at the weather, look at that beautiful water, look at the sunset. And at the same time, the next day they would complain about the fact that they missed their loved ones back at home, they missed the Christmas trees, um, also they, they missed the snow and the fireplace. So I started thinking that the only way that you can be extremely successful in building a senior community is, number one, not to have a, the winter weather affecting the seniors. Number two, have water to be on the body of the water. And number three, have a beautiful sunset. So I started looking in Michigan where to find all of that. Of course, northern Michigan has beautiful lakes, but it's very, very cold, and not, and not many people would move up north to go to a senior community. So I live in Bloomfield Hills, and I looked at Birmingham Bloomfield Hills area. There are no lakes there. As a matter of fact, it was with Alex, my son, that we were driving around, and there was this tiny little town they call it the city, city of Kirikigo Harbor, with a population of 3,000, that was sitting on two lakes. Cass Lake, which is the largest and deepest lake in southeast Michigan, with beautiful sunsets, and Sylvan Lake, which is a beautiful, calm lake that has sunrise every morning, beautiful. And so I decided, well, that's where I want to be. But then I looked around. There are all these little fishing cottages and vacation cottages and little stores. And, you know, how am I going to find 
enough property to have my uh, senior community. At that time, I knew the mayor of uh, Kigo Harbor, Mayor Sidney Rubin, who was a visionary himself, and I talked to them and said, well, what do I do? He said, well, just sit tight and, as you say, be resilient and start buying. So I built a, 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 an office, a three-story that the two-story of it was just dirt floor, and then the third story was my office overlooking both lakes. And um, I was just wa watching what's going to happen. Well, unfortunately, as well as fortunately for, for Magnolia, uh, the recession hit in 2008, and everybody was selling. So I would be just looking around, and I had a real estate agent, and I said, anytime you see anything in Kigo Harbor, let me know, and we would buy it. My other son, Stefan, who's also an attorney, is a partner at Clark Hill uh, Law Firm. He uh, then would go, and we just pay the asking price, and we buy it. So I got enough land in Kigo Harbor. However, there is a major road that belongs to the county. It's called Cass Lake Road that runs between Cass Lake and Sylvan Lake. And the properties I had bought were on both sides of that street, that road. So I went back to the mayor and say, Mayor Ruben, what do I do? He said, well, why don't you put a bridge over it? <laughs> I said, I'm going to put idea. a bridge over it. <laughs> and we'll go to the county. So I went to the county, and I said, I would like to put a covered bridge over Cass Lake Road between the two uh, giant parcels. Now, they both were giant because I had bought all these little cottages uh, businesses, etc. And by the way, that took many years. Now we are talking, I started in 2007, this is 2013. Wow. And anyway, with my son Stefan uh, as my attorney, we went back and forth, and it cost me a million dollars to put a um, temperature controlled, beautiful private bridge between the two parcels, and uh, then we started building, and uh, so Magnolia North, which is the assisted living, was built and completed in 2015, 2014, 2015, and um, then in 2000, end of 2017, we built a five-story building for Magnolia South, independent living. So now we are the only private group that has a major bridge over a major road that is not open to the public. I love and, it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So here we are with the most beautiful views uh, in Michigan for our seniors that can enjoy life in the autumn of their life. Well, I, I just can't help but hear resilience through this whole story from how you 
raised your kids, how you got your education, how you changed how cancer centers are are put together, built, and and seen to now. I love Naples Beach, Florida. I will tell you, but um, to to be at a senior place like that in Michigan, and and I, I will have to come and see it because it just sounds amazing. Definitely, I definitely want to come there. So you you have shown and defied defined resilience your entire career, and I love that. Um, plus, just the impact. That, that people are having. I, I want to cross that bridge. I definitely want to do that. So, But looking back, and this is kind of our last question, um, looking back, I can see where the resilience with the mayor, he was definitely helpful and you had to wait time. It wasn't instant and it, and it was probably a lot of mo- more money than you thought. But what advice would you give my audience on developing resilience? My advice to your audience is, number one, believe in yourself and do not have defeatist attitude. Always remember that race, national origin, gender have nothing to do with business, science, medicine, or whatever endeavor you are planning to do. It is not what others think of you. It is what you think of yourself. And with that attitude, believe that. And you should have that axiom of your life that truly everything happens for the best. And at the moment that a disaster happens, you don't know what the best is, but believe that somehow it will be and will become one of the best events of your life. And if you follow these three axioms, you really become successful throughout your life. That is my advice to particularly the young people. Yes. Great advice. Um, and I'm a young 57, so I'll still take that advice, okay? <laughs> so, But, you know, again, resilience is looking those challenges in the eyes and not blinking. We've obviously heard that from an amazing lady today. Um, and sometimes you may not have that in you to, to do it, but it, it just how bad you want to overcome and challenge. And how are you? How much are you willing to, to look that challenge in the eye and not blink and make it happen? Because it's definitely was worth it for this wonderful woman example, especially for those people who got to enjoy the senior center that, or the senior uh, retirement community that they're in now, as well as those cancer centers, and then raising two fine young men who I know one of them who. Um, you know, is impacting their world as well. So I thank you for spending time with us today. You've given us a lot to think about. Great story. I always love the story. And I would have never had this opportunity to meet with you if it was not for Michelle and, of course, ICS Tax. So I want her to close out the podcast um, with just something about ICS, and then I'll close with my saying. So go ahead, Michelle. Thank you so much, uh, Betty. ICS Tax loves being part of the Women's Inspiring Podcast today, as well as partnering with Brady Ware. Well, we thank you guys for for, um, just being a great partner with us as well. So I'm Betty Collins, and so glad that you joined us today. Inspiring women, it's what I do, and I will leave you with this. Being strong speaks of strength. 
but being courageous speaks to having a will to do more and overcome. As your career advancements continue, your financial opportunities will grow. You need to be prepared. And you can do that by going to our website, bradyware.com, to find out more about us and the accounting services that we provide. All this and more about the podcast can be found in the episode show notes. 